This is Call on the Field Stands. We got the Super Bowl preview coming up, along with some NFL season wrap-up. I, Jeff Mapis, got some Mystic Mama here from Jackie O's Brewery down in Athens, Ohio. And Ryan, I see you got the old, reliable king, king of, of beers. beers. Yes. Bud Heavy. Can't go wrong. Per usual. Special Cleveland Cavaliers can. Absolutely. I don't know. Kind of make it taste worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they suck right now. Miss the old days of having LeBron James on our team. Well, you know, we drink these Bud Heavy cans, the Cleveland Cavs logo on them. Makes watching the games a little bit easier. Yeah, just a little bit. Slam six of these. Tolerable TV. I was actually at the the Cavs Bowls game. Bro, your seats were sick as fuck. Yeah, so my my brother is a sports director at a YMCA. He kind of got thrown. He's still going to school. He kind of got uh, recommended by an AD in our hometown. So pretty cool hookup nice. for him. But he, they have this uh, hookup with the Cavs that gave him. 10 tickets. We had 10 tickets That's sick. Uh, from where we were Dude, sitting. Like we were, we were right behind. Or something like that? Yeah, we were right behind uh, the Bulls bench. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Obviously, the Cavs sucked. I mean, they were playing well in the first half, and then all of a sudden. The Cavs refuse to run anything resembling an actual NBA offense. Like, they do nothing offensively. Yeah. They have bottom five in assists per game. They have basically Trash. no ball rotation. I don't even know if they call plays, to be honest. But that's neither here nor there. They suck. Yeah. And their defense is they complete suck. hot garbage. Zach Levine went for like, uh, he had 39 at one point. I think he scored more in the fourth quarter. But yeah, he checked in and uh, the scoreboard refreshed to put list his stats. And my brother looked at each, looked at each other and we're like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, they do not play defense and don't run a functioning offense. They oh, their defense is so ISO bad. ball on offense, and I, their defensive rotations are atrocious. Yeah. And they have a bunch of guys who are slow as fuck, like Kevin Love, Yeah, who still does not know how to play defense. It's going to take a while for them to Yeah, rebuild. I mean, they're inexperienced. They'll get their shit together one of these days, hopefully. They yeah. need somebody... It's it's weird because how are you going to like how many teams in the league? And we'll get into the NBA another time, but just real quick to get this point off my chest: How many teams in the league, their star player, their whole team is around a point guard who is a small dude? Like, I don't even know if there's really. I mean, Dame Lillard, but their team is pretty well rounded. Like their best two players, or their you know next up and coming next two guys are both point guards, and they play on the court same time sometimes. Like. How are you going to build around a guy who's your point guard who's not like the best? Like Kyrie can't even really do shit uh, on yeah. his own. Like, and yeah. he's one of the better point guards. It's no, it, they're they're not really the players to build around. Like That's what I'm they, they can we be decent, dude. but we need it, the roster is just not balanced yeah. at all right now. But, but maybe he'll get there. Keep sucking eventually, though. Yeah. Somebody will fall in their lap. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> but uh, so the the sports world uh, was shaken up a little bit. Obviously, with the news of Kobe Bryant passing um, in a very tragic way, obviously, with uh, his daughter. I believe she was uh, like 13, and uh, there were nine uh, total fatalities in that accident, and they were all heading to um, a basketball tournament out in California. So, um, tragic accident. Um you know, Kobe specifically is getting the most attention, rightfully so. Um, obviously, uh, you feel bad for every family member involved in that type of uh, tragedy. Um, but Kobe, 
because this is a sports podcast, is going to get the attention. And he is obviously a sports icon. And uh, for people our age, Ryan, mid to upper 20s, you know, low 30s, he was like the first big time superstar in the NBA that I can remember at least growing up to where you really, uh, um, you know, you just always followed him. I mean, it's the whole thing with anytime you did a fadeaway jumper, or even if you're throwing a crumpled up piece of paper into the trash, you're yelling Kobe. Kobe. I mean, he, he was uh, a legend and an icon in the sports world. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, and you talk about, you know, in the NBA, in all of sport, the NBA is just so different. It's universal across the whole world. Uh, you know, it's the most popular, you know, sport that's popular. I mean, soccer, obviously, everyone, you know, is the most popular sport in the world, but universally followed. And the superstars are universally well-known throughout the entire world, unlike any other sport, I feel like, um, excluding, like, you know, some of them soccer dudes. But, like, Kobe was the global icon. And he's like, he was LeBron. You know, there's Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe of our generation. Yeah. There's a couple of, maybe Shaq is in that category. But, like, guys who are just universally known, universally um, looked up to as icons, like you mentioned, and legends across the entire world. And Kobe was one of those. This was definitely the first time I think in my life where <clears throat> like a celebrity death, like took me back and like shook right. me a little bit. Um, you know, like Michael Jackson was another big one that, um, you know, one of those same kind of icon people who you remember where you were kind of thing. Yeah. But like he was before our time and right. We didn't, we didn't have boys, the tie. Yeah. So yeah. He was it wasn't creepy. the same. Yeah. By the time he was already like a middle-aged woman by the time we were born and knowing what's going on. So like, but he was one of those popular figures, but I mean, that didn't really do anything to, for right. me. Uh, but this was like the first time where I was like shook a little bit. Right. Um, the only time that comes close for me was, uh, Heath Ledger kind of shook me just because I actually liked him as an actor before. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight, but then Dark Knight was like holy. Yeah, and propelled fuck. him to like this next level yeah, of. It did so. It was kind of shocking, superstar. and he was the Joker. So there's a storyline of him trying to be in character. Yeah, over overdose, but that's the only comparable time to the feeling you were describing with uh, Kobe Bryant passing uh, that I can remember. So yeah, and Kobe was just that guy for what twenty years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. More than that, actually. More than he came that. into the league at 18 and he died at 41 and he was the guy who everybody like would look up to and know about. Um, and like you mentioned, like as kids growing up watching basketball, he was the guy. Like Jordan was out, Kobe was the guy. And that's who we grew up emulating and pretending to be in the backyard. Um, so yeah, I felt compelled to write up a blog post and launch our website a little prematurely. Um, if anybody saw that or is listening to this, I uh, forget what the website is. You can go to our Twitter page. It's like CFS podcast at something or other Wix slash whatever. It's like a whole bullshit thing because I didn't pay for the domain because I'm cheap. Uh, but uh, you can find it on there, the blog uh, titled Remembering a Giant. And I mean, that's really what I, when I look back, that's what Kobe was in my eyes. He was bigger than basketball. He was bigger than sports. He was the giant of our time and our generation. And um, <clears throat> just his passing I think everybody was feeling similar ways about it. I mean, a lot of the people, you know, that I follow on Twitter and, you know, watch on TV and things like that are like sports figures because I'm a sports fan and follow sports. But like it was everybody was right. reacting the same way. I'm in complete and utter shock. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was weird. It was a weird couple of days, but. Uh, I thought it was fake. For, yeah. Know, TMZ 
right. uh, spilled the beans immediately. Of course, they were first. Um, yeah, we were shooting pool when I found out with in my buddy's basement, his, his uh, folks' house. His, he was doing like a baby shower upstairs with his wife. So we were, the boys were downstairs drinking beers, shooting pool. And, you know, we got this, like, oh, pretty much all of our phones are going off. Like, right. What oh, f- yeah. Like, this is fucking bullshit. And then, you know, as more and more information came out, kind of sunk in a little bit. And we're like, what? It's just, and it took me back a little bit. It was crazy. Yeah. It makes you, I don't know, look at your life a little bit different. Yeah. You you see these big time uh, icons and, you know, not just celebrities. Kobe was bigger than that, like we mentioned. And you think, you think they're invincible, like they're going to last forever. Hell, I remember growing up, you know, not even talking death, just talking retirement, like growing up, I never pictured the NFL without Peyton Manning, without Tom Brady. Like, but as you, as I got older, I realized, well, shit, there's going to be, what is the NFL even going to look like without the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady rivalry? Like that is going to be weird when they step away from the game. Charles Woodson stepped away from the game. It's just, you know, you growing up, you kind of think these players last forever. Now we're at the point where our childhood stars are getting voted into <laughs> right. the it's Hall crazy. of Fame, bro. We're like, we're watching guys on TV who are like three, four, five, six years younger than us playing in the MLB and the NBA. Right. Man, when did we get so old? You know? So, you know, I don't didn't never even pictured them stepping out of the game. Uh you you think your your heroes and sports icons last forever. And now, you know, obviously this is the extreme Kobe right. passing at 41. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was a weird feeling for the first couple of days. Not gonna lie, it's just, it's just hard to wrap your your mind around, hard to fathom. So, um, one quick thing to wrap up, Kobe. Um, a friend actually uh, shared this on on Twitter. Um, a friend that uh, I had went to high school with and still keep in touch with, and it was a story from Jay Williams about how he showed up at the Staples Center early to get a shoot around when they were playing the Lakers. And uh, Kobe was also uh, having his own uh, workout there. And uh, Jay Williams basically got done and um, paraphrasing here, obviously Kobe basically kept going and he was doing obviously in game type of shots, not just routine, you know, go around the three, go around to specific spots on the court. And uh, after the game, um, Kobe came up to, or Jay Williams came up to Kobe and was like, basically asked him like, you know, what, what was going on with that? Like, why, you know, was that to prove a point or whatever he asked him? And Kobe basically told him to, it was because he saw Jay Williams come in early to get his workout in. And Kobe wanted to let him know that it does not matter. I am going to be better than you. And I am going to outwork you while I'm better than you. And nothing you do is going to change that in the game. So just thought, uh, you know, that that was a, a great story that kind of encompassed who Black Mamba was. So um, with that, hope to get into more NBA talk as football season comes to an end this coming weekend. Always weird that football has to end. Yeah, three days away, right? Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Coming up on us. I'm excited for it. I love Super Bowl but Sunday. Super Bowl post Monday means there's no more for another eight months. Except the XFL. Hey, yeah, hey, we'll hey. get into that. I'm sure that'll be exciting and riveting football, I'm sure. Very technically fundamental. Your boy uh Cardale Jones. 
Yeah, we'll see what he does. <laughs> Launching it down the field. I don't even know the teams. I got to study either. up on the teams, but I know he's in it. Yeah, I think there's like eight or ten teams. I mean, I'll watch. Who, who's not going to watch? Uh, but that's the weird thing about, too, like football season, the off season is so long. You know what I'm saying? It is, but I I, I like that the uh, the NFL does a good job of hyping up the off season. I mean, the, the NFL draft yeah. is always fun to follow. Um Maybe we just think that because the Browns are always in need of a superstar player. Yeah, it's not the and same. And we're no. picking top 10, but no. No, the, they do a great job marketing uh, the NFL draft and and whatnot. So um, looking forward to that. But uh, we want to get into uh, some Super Bowl preview. Just got a, a few things to talk about to kind of uh, recap the football season. Um, we already did that with college football. With LSU winning that national championship, and now we're going to recap the NFL, and uh, this Sunday we'll find out who is the Super Bowl champion. Uh, So I'm going to start with my favorite stat of this season. I got to give a special shout out to Jameis Winston for being the sole member in the 30-30 club. 30 tutties, 30 picks. He got it done. In week 16. 30 picks is wild, man. It's awesome. <clears throat> so I got interested and I looked into this. Jameis Winston is the first player since 1988. And there's only been two from the 80s and on otherwise. There was one in 1980, the 1988, and then this year. Last time a guy threw 30 picks in a season. 1988. And like I said, before that was 80. So two guys since 1980 have thrown 30 picks in a season. In an era where we're throwing the ball more than ever. Right. And he drops 30 picks. Well on him, bro. I love well it. on him. I love it, man. It's Great awesome. accomplishment. And he threw like 5,100 yards, but like 30 picks is insane. I thought he was going to be legit in the NFL. Yeah, I, really I mean, did. me too, to be honest. He had the size. He had the you know talent, like arm talent, physical It seemed like he talent. was – I know he did some dipshit stuff off the field, but – it seemed like he had a leadership presence yeah. about him too. I don't know. Some things just don't come together. I mean, he'll yeah. still, I mean, he's still in the league. He's still through 30, 30 touchdowns. He's a uh, NFL passing leader this year. Like he's going to get his still. He's going to be in the league, but I don't think anybody's looking at him as like their franchise QB to build around nah. at this point. You know what I'm saying? But no. you know, you know who, who really knows it? What is his fifth year in the league? Uh, so this will be a six year. Yeah, I guess his time's running out a little bit, um, but He'll still get paid. He'll, he'll get probably have a up. decent career. He'll play 10. Paid as a backup. Nine years. He'll paid. probably get two more contracts in his career and retire. And good for him. Just another average QB who goes through the league. But yeah, like yeah. you, I mean, what is second overall pick? Yeah. I think behind Marcus Mariota, if memory serves, who also is not yeah. getting uh, any playing time. I mean, he get benched for Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> who Tannehill, actually, another interesting stat, which <clears throat> make sure I pull this up correctly. And I, I don't know where it's at. So if I misspeak, fuck it. Uh, one of my favorite stats, quarterback rating leader of the NFL season, Ryan Tannehill. Get the fuck out I, of here, I'm pretty dude. sure that's oh. what I saw. Pretty <laughs> sure that's the stat I saw. So I don't even know what they calculate as quarterback rating and all that kind of goofy shit. Um, but, you know, that was a stat that if you had money on it, who would be the quarterback leader of quarterback rating at the end of the season? There is no one in this earth who would have picked Ryan Tannehill as their guy? Ryan Tannehill, his wife and mom wouldn't even have picked him to be the leader. And they're his biggest fans. 
That's one of my stats, uh, favorite stats of the season. I'm trying to pull up the uh, total stats and sort by rating as soon as ESPN's trash website loads. It's all about reference, man. Go to go it's to pro fucking. Reference. Oh, I know. I like it better. There I already had one. it pulled up. <clears throat> it is Ryan Tannehill. Ha, let's go. He edged out Drew Brees. <laughs> My God, impressive stuff by the old Ryan Tannehill. That's hilarious. Last dude. on that list. I'm cracking up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know. If <laughs> is, he, he's not Baker last. Mayfield? He's not last, but I think he's second to last. Baker Mayfield. Oh. Last on the list uh, was was uh, Andy Dalton or something. Yeah, Andy Dalton is <laughs> <Yeah>. last. <laughs> he only played like five games. Oh, man, Ugh. Baker, what a season. So uh, speaking of Baker, fuck it, we'll get right into it. Biggest disappointment this year, the Cleveland stanky Browns. Yeah, dude, it's, it, obviously it's got to be the Browns. And it's not just because we're Browns fans and we're big disappointed in what went down this season. Like, I mean, Vegas had them projected, I think, nine and a half wins or something like that. Or maybe it was nine flat, so if you picked nine and they won, you would have tied. But regardless, six wins, a far cry from nine. It it, it makes me interested now. Like I kind of want to go back and look up all the numbers, like what the preseason numbers were and who had the biggest you know, drop-off from projected wins to actual. And it's got to be the Browns, dude. Three below their projected Vegas odds. That has got to be the the biggest gap. Yeah, I I can't even really think of another team that really right played terribly all season. You you can think of several teams that uh, beat what they would have been projected for a win total this yeah. year, like the San Francisco 49ers, Obviously, I mean they won four games last year. There's no way they were projected to win that many this year. Now they're uh, they're in the soup. Um, yeah, I can't think of another team that. Um, without injuries, totally fell off and missed their uh, win mark that Vegas had them at. Yeah, because I can't really think of who else would have been – like who else played shitty? Like The only other team I mentioned before we started here would be the Chargers. Probably had too good of a roster to fall off a cliff like they did. Yeah. Oh, here's – here's a, I'll kind of look through this as we continue the conversation. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're – Easily the biggest disappointment. So many things fell apart. So much hope and optimism for Browns fans and just fans of the league um, who, you know, they bring in Odell Beckham Jr. They already have juice. They got Baker coming off, you know, record-setting rookie season. Nick Chubb coming into the season looked like the guy who can be the next guy. Kareem Hunt halfway through the season was getting added to that mix. Defensively, got Miles Garrett, who's, you know, a lot of were projecting was going to push for the, you know, defensive player of the year title and he actually was on pace for for being up there if he didn't crack Comey in the head with Selman. <laughs> what a fucking wild scene. Like that uh, I still can't believe that fucking occurred and I've witnessed it on TV. Like I looking back there's there's no way that fucking happened, but it did. Uh so I mean there was just so much optimism that this would finally be the year, but when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, a lot of things went wrong. Um you know, injuries occurred, suspensions occurred. Uh, rookie head coaches who had no idea what the fuck they were actually doing duped a lot of people after you know pulling things together through a bunch of firings midway through the season before. It was just a disaster, man. It was just a disaster. It, it was a, a when you total lose disaster, to man. the fucking Bengals, the Broncos, and who and the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and win six games. Like it was kind of there for the taking if you handle your business against the shitty teams of the league, but. You can't do that when you're one of the shitty teams in the league. So they suck. 
Yeah. And I the was, Bronc, dude, that Broncos loss was yeah, that was that was, was pretty such terrible. a poorly coached, poorly managed game. Like everything was kind of in position. Like they had to royally fuck it up. Like make a couple plays and they win that game, and no, they didn't make any of the plays. Yeah, they. You know what I'm saying? They, it was terrible, man. It was terrible. Yeah, Cardinals game was the tipping point for me when I was like, this fucking team, everybody needs to get got. Like I was kind of on the optimism side, like okay, maybe Freddie, you know, win a couple games in the season, get some shit figured out, go eight and eight. Instead, they lose to the Cardinals and the Bengals to end the season. But after that Cardinals game, I was like, it's over. Like, get this fucking guy and everybody else the fuck out of here yeah. because the culture is at an all time terrible point, which is pretty crazy to say when you're the Blue and Browns. Uh, obviously, that's. Do you hear uh, what Jarvis had to say recently? No, I didn't. Um, so he, I forget who was interviewing him which I feel bad about when I give uh, a shout out to wherever, whatever outlet was uh, interviewing him. But um, it might've just been a random press conference at the Browns facility. Anywho, he, he basically said, which we all knew there was no offensive identity, but furthermore, he, he made it sound like no one had any fucking clue what their actual plan of attack was going to be. Because uh, each done. week, like week to week, it, he was like, one week we decided we were going to be a passing team and pass for fifty, you know, fifty times. One week we decided we were going to run the ball for fifty times. Yeah, he said, is- he said, you know, basically it was just all over the place, and there was no, you know, I sometimes I think it's cliche to say there's no identity, but there is some truth to it as well. There's just there was no consistent plan of attack. There was no consistent. Freddie did nothing to build off of the strengths of the players and offense he had, and uh, it showed. That's certainly true. And I think the biggest thing that stood out for me for the Browns and why they sucked ass is, you know, it's hard to say because a lot of times I was giving credit, not credit, I was blaming the talent being lackluster, the offensive line being booty, things of that nature, for reasons why they were struggling. Um, but the biggest thing to me that stood out and, you know, it was said multiple times throughout the, the season and I didn't really pick up on it being that big of a deal until everything kind of fell apart. But the fact that they never talked about game planning opposing teams like, OK, <clears throat> they always talked about, well, if we do what we're supposed to do and we handle our business, we can beat anybody in this league. Bro, this is the NFL. That's not how it works. You know what I'm saying? How it works is you attack the weaknesses of the other team. And then working how you do that using your strengths. But you attack the weaknesses. You don't just like, ah, who fucking cares who we're playing? We're going to do our own thing. That's how you suck ass. That is Fuck, how you lose every game. It's the same game. thing in college football. I mean, I mean, LSU was, I know, you know, they were a record offense, but um, you can point to them. You can point to a team like Ohio State. Dude, they had really good players, knew their strengths, and – they freaking attacked and went after weaknesses yeah. of their game opposition. plan to the team. Okay, this team does this week. We're gonna attack them this way. This yeah. next team. Oh well, they they are a different fucking team. Obviously, different personnel. They have this weakness. We're gonna attack that weakness. The Browns didn't do that. It's almost like they didn't even watch film on the other team. They just watched film on themselves. Says we need to improve on X Y Z. Let's improve on X Y Z. And once we figure that out, nobody can stop us. But this is the NFL. Defensive coordinators know what the fuck they're doing in this league and they will stop you especially when you're doing the same shit every fucking game in and game out yeah so that's why that's where that's what first off why i think they blow ass 
last year with that coaching staff. But that's why, or that's when I kind of knew like these guys got to get got got to yeah. get got. Like once I re- like kind of really fully understood, and Freddie was saying it all season, even to players in press conferences. Yeah, you know, if we just kind of do our thing, uh, get our shit figured out, you know, do what we do best, play, you know, et cetera, we'll get it figured out and we'll start winning games. Like fuck, dude. No. Yeah. The Patriots go to the playoffs every year with lackluster rosters, not because Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. It's because they attack defenses and attack offenses where they're the weakest and find ways to use their strength to attack the other team's weaknesses. The yeah. game plan for the opposition, unlike the Browns, in a single single game last last year. I mean, they did a couple of Ravens the first time, fucked them up. Yeah. Beautiful game. Beautiful yeah. game. That was an anomaly. It was. I, can't it obviously, I don't know what the fuck happened. I think they just got lucky that one time where it just happened to all align. It and all then clicked. It got it all on tape all and they adjusted and the Browns yeah. didn't just. The Browns just got lucky that their approach to that game happened to work. Yeah. And then it never worked again because they didn't build off anything. Yeah. That overall principle that you were just speaking about um, really bothers me. It's I, I can't stand when coaches try to force their system onto players they have like your system should be whatever you fucking have as players and playing to their strengths uh i remember mark helfrich the coach of oregon going into the national championship game versus ohio state they ran uh uh three four three three five stack three down linemen and people were questioning that because you know they don't have the big monsters up front like a team like ohio state has or bama or whoever and they were questioning, are you going to go up against um, an option attack and, you know, a, a zone uh, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott? Um, and he said, yeah, we are what we are. We're, we're going to run. You know, this is this is what we do. I knew right then. I was like, dude, <laughs> that if you don't have something special uh, for Ezekiel Elliott and Urban Meyer in a national championship game, you're fucked. Yep. You're going to lose. I knew right that I, I had already thought Ohio State was going to win. But when I heard that. It, it, that right there is over. It's done. It's done. So I, I can't stand when coaches try to do that, force their system on players that they inherit or uh, think that they're just – everyone in the NFL can fucking drop a play that's going to work, yeah. bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. These guys are the NFL, man. Fucking high school coaches can do that. Um, but that's kind of what we're I – mean, not to make this a whole you know Browns episode, but just real quick – that's kind of what worries me a little bit about, you know, well, first year head coaches in general, uh, that that's kind of a big concern a lot of times because it's hard to kind of figure out how to maneuver a lot of those things as first year head coach. That's kind of what worries me a little bit with Kevin Stefanski coming over from um, the Vikings, obviously head coach of the Browns now, uh, one year spent as offensive coordinator with the Vikings. Like, is he going to bring, everyone's talking about like, oh, the system he runs is this, you know, this is what he does. He already signed a fullback. First thing Andrew Barry does when he gets assigned on as GMs, fucking get Kevin Stefanski a fullback who probably won't even make the team, but that's irrelevant, neither here nor there. So <clears throat> the only the only thing that contradicts that is if he runs that same system, we just happen to have that, you know, zone read type stuff. We just happen to have probably the best zone read running back in the league in Nick Chubb. So yes, please bring more fucking zone yeah. type fullback running, let Nick Chubb find holes and feast. I like it. But yeah, it still worries me, especially they uh, you know hi- hire this uh, new coordinator as a who was a QB coach for the Bengals last season. Like he ain't calling plays. I don't know if they've announced it yet or not, but 
you can almost assuredly he ain't calling plays. Never called plays in his career. He's not going to no, come from QB coach, QB coach, QB coach with Green Bay, then Cincinnati, to calling plays with Cleveland Browns instead of the head coach who just called plays an entire season and won a playoff game against our Super Bowl pick, one of the better teams in the league. Kevin's fancy. Whether or not, like I said, they announced it or not, Stefanski's going to be calling plays. Yeah, but that worries me. That worries me. First-year head coach calling plays in a new system, a new offense. Hopefully it all comes together. Um but like I said, luckily, if he's going to translate that Vikings offense that he ran with Dalvin Cook with Nick Chubb, it's probably going to work out pretty well because Nick Chubb's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely want to get into all of the uh, new hires and what's going on with the Browns. We haven't done a Browns episode in a while. Um, rightfully so. I mean, fuck them. They suck. Em. But uh, yeah, their season was a total disaster. You go from... Yeah. Uh, an interim coach going um, seven, eight, and one. Baker, uh, you know, on was on pace to set records as a rookie, and we come out this year, add more weapons, and totally stink. So, in a separate podcast, I want to get into judging Dorsey and and what the fuck uh, transpired, and then uh, talk about you know these new hires and and kind of you know, what we as Browns fans should expect. Oh, and quick on your point that you had <clears throat> previously, um, the biggest drop-off of projected wins uh, versus, you know, what actually occurred from preseason and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, I haven't gone through all the numbers. I just kind of look skimming real quick, but it has to be the Chargers, Chargers uh, who were projected to win 10 games going yeah. into the season and won five. So uh, five below. Who I haven't looked through every number, but... I'm willing to venture that out and say that's got to be the winner right there. Uh, so yeah, ten. To I had five, a feeling, man, because and the Browns they've drafted like I said, well. Were nine, they so they were three. Left. They have a decent amount of uh, talent there. I didn't really follow the Chargers closely um, to really speak on them, but they definitely them and the Browns are probably the top two by a long shot on biggest disappointing teams this year. Yes. So let's flip that over to the biggest surprise (laughs) team this year. You could arguably say the 49ers are after winning only four games, I believe, last year to ending up in the Super Bowl. But I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I know Josh Allen didn't necessarily, you know, light it up, and I don't think he's going to be some prolific quarterback in the league for all that long. However, I mean, I really thought he was going to bust when he was coming out of college. I, um, I like McDermott as a coach and, uh, um, you know, that, that roster is all right, but it's not like they're, it's not like if you looked up their roster, it would blow you away with talent. So what they were able to do and make the playoffs, uh, I really respect. And, uh, I don't think it's going to last. Like I said, I don't think Josh Allen is, is the answer for a franchise at QB, but for them to string together the amount of wins they did and make the playoffs was uh, impressive to me. Yeah, dude, that's definitely got to be one of them. Um, Ten wins. I mean, if you look at – you talk about talent. Like, did they have more talent than the Cleveland Browns who won six games? No. I don't think so. No. But you're looking at the you know biggest disappointment. The Chargers, though, looking at the Chargers, how much disappointment were they? Like, were they really supposed to be good? I don't know how they were projected to win ten games. Uh, but anyways, they have a lot of good players, man. Yeah, I guess so. They did. Their D line was stacked. They still had Phil Rivers. I don't know. 
And they, yeah, I guess they do got some talent on the outside too. Mel Gordon, who didn't play the first few weeks. Even uh, Eckler was tearing yeah. it up at running back. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, they fell off the rails a little bit. Anyways, you know, the Bills, their projected wins was seven and a half, and they won 10. Um, I mean, that's solid prediction. I mean, they did play, I was going to say, you know, first comment I was going to make was their division was trash. And it was early in the year when they played them and the Patriots played them. They got a bunch of their wins against the Jets and the uh, the Dolphins who combined won 12 games. So, like, what the fuck happened between those two teams? They were so booty, and then all of a sudden they start winning. So, that you know, it doesn't yeah. their schedule doesn't look as bad as we thought it did early in the year. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good – that's, you know, definitely a fair um, surprise team. I think can I su- can I just fit this in here that sure. the fucking Jets have a better record than the Cleveland Browns? Oh yeah, how wild is with that? with Adam Gase, bro? How I, wild is that? Sam Darnold didn't even play the whole fucking season. Yeah, they went. On, they must have went on a little run because they're, <sighs> you know, I wasn't really paying attention to them obviously because they were, you know, irrelevant. Uh, but they they ended the season strong. Um, let's count these out: one, two, three. Oh, they lost to the Bengals, though. Ouch. Uh, sort of fifth be, last. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, but. You know, assuming they should have won that game, that, that puts them at eight and eight, which is insane. Um, God yeah. damn it! All right, sorry, <laughs> so anyways, I derailed you. Oh no worries. I think my surprise team. Um, you know, you mentioned San Francisco 49ers Looking up at this list, projected eight and a half, won thirteen games. That's got to be the biggest jump. Uh, who who was that? What team was that? The 49ers. The were Niners projected eight and a half and won thirteen games. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the biggest leap. Uh, I'd have to like say go through all the numbers, but wait, how many Lions win? They were projected seven. How many went win? Four? I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're picking three overall, so I would say yeah. it's definitely <laughs> no, four <anyway>. or less. <laughs> but anyways, I think uh, my surprise team, I have to admit, it's got to be the Ravens. I did not think they were going to put their shit together. They were, you know, when we did a, one of our first pre, preseason projections, we talked about, you know, going back to this list of odds of, of you know, projected wins. And we had, like, who's a team that we think is going to win more games and who's going to a team that wins less. And I'm pretty sure, if memory serves, that the Ravens uh, were my under team um, and they were projected to win eight games. I was projecting them to win less than eight games. And they obviously got the number one seed, went into the playoffs as the hottest team in the league. What, they went 14-2 and two or something like that? Yeah, they were 14-2, and two, bro. Last loss before the playoffs was the fucking Browns in, like, week four, I think, something like that. So, they, I mean, they have to be the biggest surprise. Their defense, <clears throat> I mean, they add Marcus Peters and that was a huge acquisition. Took the fuck off. Like their defense was actually struggling. Everyone was giving them credit. Oh, best defense in the league. They're coming in. They're best secondary. All this and that. I'm like where? And they kind of yeah. struggled early on. Um, and then they add Marcus Peters and just that was like the missing piece that pulled all everything together. And they just. Completely dominated. And then Lamar they extended Jackson. his contract too. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson, I still have my apprehensions on if he's going to be long term stud, but he's going to win the MVP. And he obviously surprised not only me, but most of the league um, in doing what he did. I mean, a lot, of pe- a lot of people may have projected him to, you know, ball out this year, but there's no way anybody projected him to put up the stats that he did, win the MVP and all kinds of things like that. So they got to be the biggest surprise, in my opinion, of the season. Um, and then equally as surprising almost that they lost the way they did in the playoffs um, right. so early. Uh, I guess not really that surprising seeing, you know, the matchup leading into the game. I didn't have any faith that, you know, they were going to win. You know, that matchup didn't really bode well for them if the things kind of, you know, the Titans put things together, which they did. 
Um, but the fact that they won 14 games, surprised everybody, and then just one and done out of the playoffs after a first round bye, that was also surprising. But they've got to be my you know biggest surprise of the season. Yeah, <clears throat> makes sense. I mean, you kind of have to say that after bashing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens yeah, all year. So. Yeah, yep, yep. It's <laughs> like a makeup call there. <laughs> Gotta admit when you're wrong sometimes, and yeah. I certainly was. But you know, I'm still not gonna just go out and say he's just gonna no, take over I, the league. I think he's definitely gonna regress that. next season. I think defenses are definitely gonna respond uh, and work to slow him down. But the only thing that I think is also gonna happen is you know how we talk about you know defenses adjusting to stop Lamar Jackson in that offense. Lamar Jackson in the offense is gonna adjust. One would assume to attack what defenses are gonna do. The only difference is. I don't think Lamar Jackson can actually throw the ball very well, as we saw in the playoff game, through like 50 times and was terrible. So if you force him to throw, which the Browns did and beat him, which the Titans did and beat him, hard yeah. to, but I mean, it's easier said than done. But I think they will find ways, defenses will find ways to, you know, take his legs at least a little bit away, force him to throw in the second, early in the second half, and then they're kind of screwed. But they could, you could do that five, six times and they still, win the division. So, yeah. And I, I could see both ways. I could see, you know, him trending down the path you're describing. And I could also see him maybe not, you know, excelling from what he put together this year, but I, I could be, see him being sad. I like that the Ravens franchise, uh, went, you know, ride or die style with roster construction. They, they drafted Lamar and it, it was like, all right, this is it. We're going, we're committing Bro, to this. This is it. Last we, year in the playoffs, they're like, even before the playoffs, like, all right, you're the guy now. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. I mean, they they got young skill positions. They went out and got uh, Mark Ingram for a talented running back. They they drafted tight ends to run yeah. their heavy sets. I mean, like I don't that, know. The, the, the wherewithal of that organization to have Joe Flacco for – ever win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco and then midway through the season towards the end of the season into the playoffs like all right Flacco get the fuck out of here our rookie is going to come in and lead us into the playoffs they didn't win they lost to the Chargers I think yeah. last year so they lose but then obviously that set up what was to come this season and then what the fuck did we just see MVP 14 win yeah. season setting up for the future so they I mean they're just such a well-organized uh, uh, organization and they understand their talk about identity. They understand what their identity is. They understand how to build an, a team a certain way that builds them for success. And they, they, I mean, why do they have to be in the fucking AFC I know. North? Dude, they've, uh, they've had like my favorite drafts too, like including, you know, the one with Lamar Jackson, yeah. like just the whole pool of players uh, they got. I mean, they went, Got Oklahoma shit out some serious NFL talent here recently, but they got Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. I think they got Orlando Brown too. The the uh, tackle, the offensive tackle that came out of Oklahoma as well. But just then signing Ingram. Then this year midseason they trade um, for yeah. uh, Marcus Peters and then get him extended under contract for the yeah. next. Uh, a guy I think who, like a three year co- deal. There. A guy who you know controversy has surrounded him pretty much his whole career. They like, yeah, we'll we'll be all right. They fucking go get the dude, bring him in, and he instantly makes an impact and is like the piece, the missing yeah. piece of the puzzle that put it all together. And like a move like that, not many teams would have had the balls to make a move like that. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, they're they're a well uh, run organization, Ravens. and they fuck should be the, the Cleveland Ravens. Browns. So fuck them and fuck, fuck Art Mandel. Rest in hell, you piece of shit. Just kidding, <laughs> but not really. No, I'm, I'm glad he's not in the Hall of Fame. Fuck him. So yeah, we get to look forward to that potential machine yeah. in the division. And I hope you're Joe right. Joe Burrow also. Like, oh, good I, I, I hope you're right with what you're saying about the Ravens uh, yeah, from the Browns' perspective. According but... to anything I said this past year, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. So we get fucking Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow twice a year for the next fucking 15 years. And the Steelers' defense has a trio of young players that are going to be elite. TJ Watt, Devin Bush, and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Each level, bro. Edge rusher yep. in the middle and in the secondary. They'll probably Studs. draft the next fucking who knows who quarterback to play. They'll find a quarterback. Yeah. They're 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 second rounder. <clears throat> they're gonna hit on some other defensive stud. It's just it's sad. We suck. <laughs> so moving on, Tom Brady had a little post here just this evening before I got over here to record, I think. Yeah, I saw it. Right before we started the podcast, and it said, you know, like an hour ago or something like that. So, yeah, uh, right now it's nine. We've been on for 40 or so minutes. So, this probably came out seven ish, uh, something like that. And it's basically just Tom Brady silhouetted with a field behind him, which one would assume is, is uh, New England Foxborough. I guess it's what they call it over there, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, big rumors and, and, you know, thoughts and, and all that kind of stuff and, and assumptions are, what is Tom Brady going to do? One would assume he is out at New England. Uh, with all, like I said, all, rep- I wouldn't say reports, but putting things together, points and, and hints, I guess, if you want to call it that, he gone. I think so too, man. I uh, And we had talked about this before uh, recording this. San Diego might be the spot. Phillip Rivers has already packed his bags. He's already moved to Florida, I think. Yeah, I think that was the ESPN report. That Phil Rivers dipped the fuck out of He LA, is gone already. Um, yeah, that whole... Brady is from California. It makes a lot I of mean, sense, bro. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. So I, They need a QB. They're on the cusp. I mean, they were projected to win yeah. 10 games last year. They have talent on both sides of the ball. If you need a stable QB to fill in there, uh, kind of makes a lot of sense. Brady. He's also fucking 87 years old, though, so could... Doesn't mean they're not going to sign him. Also, they're in LA. They want fucking, you know, asses in the seats. Yeah. Fill the stadium. How are you going to do that? How about bring the goat in? Yeah. People will come to the games. It, and they'll it win definitely the games, will. I'm sure. No, that, uh, it just more makes so too from much sense. a marketing sense. That's it what I mean. almost like makes sense. It just not makes even too from much a sense. winning sense. Yeah. It's it like, just makes just too much sense. In. Like you, that the fan base in LA, you're trying to establish that, build that up. Uh, just LA in general, who the fuck cares about football out there? Probably not the whole lot of people, I would imagine. So you're trying to build a, a a new franchise, basically, in a new city. What better way to bring the most popular player in in the NFL yeah. as the face of your franchise for the next two years or whatever? Dude, I got to get used to referring to them as the LA Chargers. I think I was saying San yeah, I was, Diego dude, earlier, I was looking possibly. at this, uh, like, this odds win totals thing, and I was looking for San Diego because it's in uh, alphabetical order according to city. I'm like, where the fuck is the Chargers? I'm like, oh, yeah, they're Los LA. Angeles now. You were going to have to get used to <laughs> so uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Another spot that might make some decent amount of sense for Tom Brady to go, speaking of, 
I don't think they're going to move I've, away from Carr. Dude, He's got a big contract. I've, I've heard, uh, I've seen it? some shit that Gruden wants to move on from Carr. I was surprised so I they didn't try to move him last year, to be honest, because I didn't really think he was so high on Carr. But if they were going to do it, why would you yeah, wait? I get that's know. what I mean. Like, I thought they might have done it last year. They didn't. So what are they going to do now? He's going to pay a lot of money. Who's going to want him? Because he didn't really ball out or anything yeah. like that. So you'd have to trade him. Who's going to want him with that contract? Like, it's like a whole they've got uh, thing. it's almost ride or die at this point. Right. With, with Carr. They've got a lot of picks to move up in the draft if they so choose. I don't know. We'll see. They, they've got two this year. I think they sit at 12 for sure. I know 12. I think they sit at 18 as well. Yeah, Carr has uh, three years remaining on his contract, making about 21-ish, 21 dollars thousand thousand million <laughs> uh, uh, a year. Uh, actually, with some with some signing bonus money, it's around twenty four, twenty five thousand um, per year. So, you know, he's getting paid. He's got three years left on the deal. They're really going to just bounce from him. But like you said, with the picks, could they make some moves? If I were them, I would ride it out with the, uh, Derek Carr and try to put some pieces. I mean, you got all those picks. Put some pieces together around him. He's competent enough to win some games. So I think so. Don't you know to move up in the draft or to go get something. What's their first? What's their first pick? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. Jerry Judy might be there. Dude, that would make a lot of sense. Oh, that'd you know, be sweet. You trade Amari. You kind of need that guy. Kind of makes a lot of sense. Now, Jerry Judy is easily good enough. Like, he grades as like a top five overall player in my book. But with QB needs and other studs like Chase Young and Okuda are guaranteed top five. I think you see, obviously, Joe Burrow, probably Tua go top five because of QB needs. I think that... And then a lot of teams are projected to take an offensive tackle. The tackle class yeah. is just loaded, and we definitely are going to get into the draft as we uh, get closer to uh, like the combine. But um, while we're talking about the Raiders, Jerry Judy could slip to 12, and, I mean, no, that, that would be a huge addition. You got Josh Jacobs at running back already. Then you add someone like Judy, who he he's a boss. Yeah, dude, he's going to be a beast. And like I said, you, know, you trade Amari, you need a new number one. Tyrell Williams, let's be honest, is not going to be that guy. He's not it, but if he's, he's a the number two piece, guy. Yeah, he's a solid piece. He's a good guy. So I, I would kind of, that makes a lot of sense for them to address wide receiver uh, to start their draft. Um, but they obviously got a lot of other holes as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, but they got a lot of picks. They still need D-line help. They still need defense help in general. Their offensive line could use some boosts. Their, their D-line is pretty good. Um, but yeah, I... I'm excited. Well, yeah, they got that cat from Clemson last um, year well, in they, the first round. They had a rookie this year, and I forget his name. Yeah, the cat from I know Clemson. a Raiders. No, but it wasn't Farrell him. or whatever? It wasn't him that emerged. It was some oh, random yeah. oh, like late rounder that was uh, arguably their best interior defensive lineman. They got Mo Hurst from Michigan. I think they have Arden Key from well, They got LSU. Jonathan Hankins. I know that. So, anywho. Buckeye. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to – like you said earlier, NFL offseason is uh, really fun to follow with the combine, the draft, uh, free agency. There's some big names yeah. like fucking Tom Brady <laughs> yes. uh, this year. I think we we both agree. Chargers makes a lot of sense. Dude, he could be heading there. It makes too much sense. I think too much. I think Philip Rivers could be heading to Tampa Bay. Move to LA with his family and Giselle being in the you know industry of whatever you want to call that. 
pop culture, I guess. Yeah. A model living in LA makes a lot of sense with her pop culture kind of influence. Tom Brady, like you said, California guy going back out there. Team needs a QB and like a, a team that's close. There's not a lot of teams that are close that like need a QB, but don't need like a rookie QB. Chargers are right. one of them by all counts because Phil Rivers is pieced out already. It just makes too much sense. It, it yeah, just makes too much it's sense. It's going to happen, I think. And I really uh, – it's not going to hurt. Tom, Tom's legacy is cemented. But Dude's I got re- six rings, bro. I really, I really don't want to have to watch him deteriorate. So – He's not going to just walk away from the game, bro. Well, I, dude, I get that. But retire. He's got some juice left in the tank, according to him. I want to see what he does yeah, out there away from oh, Belichick. You know what I'm saying? Me too. I want to see. I want to see. So yeah, that's that's definitely going to be the the interesting thing to follow. Like the of all the, I mean, there's a lot of free agents, but like, and it's not even to say that he's going to have the biggest impact of all the free agents. I don't, th- I don't think that he will, but. It's just the most interesting to me. It, yeah, it's just the biggest guy name. who spent it's his Tom entire Brady. career won yeah. six rings in New England, is the face of the organization's history, and just pieces out to go across the U.S. to play for a conference rival. I, well, I hope that happens. I'm interested to see, and I'm also interested to see what happens with the with the Patriots post Brady. Everyone's like, is it Brady or is it Belichick? Why are they so good? Or is it both of them together have to be? You know, they make each other good. Like, what is? Making the Patriots so elite. I might make Does Brady a, make. I uh, might Belichick so good, or the other way around. Or I what? might make a blog post about coaching in general and expectations and that whole relationship with the QB, like that. Just that whole thing, like it can be both. You need both. No, You're definitely. Te- <clears throat> what is Andy Reid gonna do in Kansas City? Like I know Alex Smith wasn't a bum by any means by that point in the career, but like. What you think he'd be that good in Kansas City without going from Alex Smith to Patty Mahomes? I mean, it it can be both. Yeah. What do you think Nick Saban would have been in the NFL if he had a QB? Probably good. I think he was like one game under five hundred in his NFL career before he pieced out of there back to college. So, yeah, that whole thing uh, fires me up about saying, "Oh, you know, this QB is only good because of the system," or you know, this coach is only. As good as uh, the QB, and it's like, whatever, man. Whatever. (laughs) I don't know. If you're a coach and you have a talented player, you got to, like, I can go buy a Ferrari, but I could go out there and not know how to fucking drive it in (laughs) manual and crash it and, you know, let it burn like Freddie Kitchens inheriting Odell Beckham and and Baker Mayfield. Lewis Hamilton, the greatest driver in the world, driving a fucking PT Cruiser, not going to be able to do a whole lot with it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just... Yeah. Anywho, the NFL free agency in off season is uh is always intriguing. So yeah, and I'm getting excited to jump into the draft as well. I know Absolutely. We talked about wrapping up the NFL season and kind of moving on, but there's the NFL dominates all uh, season, it always all dominates. year long. I love it. So the draft is going to be upcoming here in a couple of months, actually quicker than we think. Uh, so we're going to have some big things here on calling the field stands for that. I like it.